Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Unleashing the Kingdom with Susan DeBrew. I am your co-host, as always, Steve Pixler. It is such an honor to be with you guys again. We are so excited about the latest book that has just been released called Divine Dancing. People, this one is an amazing work, as we think they all are. But this one seems to strike at a particular issue so necessary to be struck at, which is, of course, Ephesians 5. And we really encourage you to pick up the book. In fact, the next few episodes, we're going to do a little bit of review, kind of some highlight overview of the book. I think you're going to enjoy that. But in the meantime, we do want to encourage you to go by kingdombrewing.com. Check out Gregory and Susan's work there, their resources for the kingdom, Gregory's Daily Vitamin absolutely amazing. Here we are at the first of the year. You can use that all through the year as a devotional, powerful, powerful resource, and a lot of other great materials available there. You need to go and check it out. As I said, today we're going to jump into divine dancing. We are going to strike up the band and dance a bit with this new one. This one was fun to write. It was fun to write. It's fun to read, too. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> so it's great when you have your own ghostwriter, I tell you. Like, I can produce the most amazing books. I just come up with this ex- amazing idea, and the next thing you know, poof, it's a beautifully written. Well, let me tell you why that works so well, because you have very detailed uh, work that you've done in advance that allows me to write from and it really is effective. Yeah, and, and so part of it is, is okay, so there's a lot of years of research back in the beginning, and then there was the years of it having to settle. Yeah. And I think for me, because truth is such a high value to me, Yeah. when I first began to understand that the church's position on women, uh, the traditional church's position on women as being secondary to men or not being allowed to speak in the church or... Um, she had to submit to her husband, who was the boss at home. <laughs> you know, those ideas um, were were so ingrained in the church that I first started my walk in that when the Lord started to show me that that wasn't true, I'm a truth meter, right? Yeah, like yeah. I'm like, but I have to know that I know that I know if if I'm actually believing something that they don't, that it is in fact accurate. So my, my phrase for Susan is she's a truth crusader. I am a cr- truth crusader. I am. <laughs> and so the truth is such a high value to me yeah. that even if it took years for me to know that I know that I know that right. what I believed was right, and I'm still open, like I still could get things wrong, and I always yeah. want to put that out there, right? Like where I'm still in process, I'm yes. still learning. Um, but it's been a 22-year journey at this point to make sure that I know that uh, what the Lord first started to show me that what we believed about women having to be silent in the church and all that, like that was not at all Paul's point. It was actually the opposite. He was correcting the Corinthians who were trying to silence the women. Paul was one of the greatest women livers of all time next to Jesus. He actually was. That would have infuriated my grandfather for you to say that. I'm so sorry, but it is He was not pro-women livers, I'll tell you that. (laughs) And he did so because he believed he was honoring the scriptures. Oh yeah, yeah, and he was a misogynist, but I mean besides that. (laughs) Why was he a misogynist? I don't know. It's a good question. Domineering mother, uh, a lot of stuff in his rooted in his past. Why did the women feel they had to be domineering? Uh, they were all afraid, I guess, scared I to death. Know. It's just we're all a mess. Is the honest answer is like we're all broken. Right? We are. Yeah. We are just jacked up, all of us. But Holy Spirit oh. has made us new. 
We are new creation in Christ. And what Christ did on the cross actually did change it works. everything. Yep. And so it, but it takes time to, to permeate out into the world as you yeah. often preach with the gospel yeah, of the kingdom, yeah, yeah. stevepixler.com. <laughs> like it's really great, right? That we understand Christ actually did come to set us free. Yes. All of us. Yes. And not one more free than the other. Not my freedom is limited by, by uh, my master yeah. allowing it or something to that uh, along that line. And so that's actually where divine dancing came into the discussion. So let's back up just for a second and kind of set the stage for why divine dancing became necessary. So with the book series that we wrote before, Unleashing mm-hmm. the Kingdom, with three book series available on kingdombrewing.com or Amazon. A- <laughs> um, but it's a three book series that basically went through all of the scriptures that are controversial yes. when it comes yes. to the role of women in the home or the role of women in the church. And um, the greatest is, as well as the gospel of the kingdom, right? Why is it different in the kingdom than it is in the world? And in the world, it's always been men above women or somebody above somebody else. Like it's always some kind of hierarchy, some kind of power struggle. And so when Jesus came to set up a new kingdom, it looked very different. And Paul was actually trying to train us in how to walk that new kingdom out. But because the enemy got in and twisted our mindset, we actually began to cooperate with the accuser of the brethren and try to bring those hierarchies back into the church, which ultimately is why the church 2,000 years later isn't one new man, isn't one united, powerful force on the earth. We're actually very broken and very splintered. But as we began to share, particularly on the podcast, but as we began to share with people the message of the gospel of the kingdom, the message of the unity, taking dominion through the unity of men and women, the greatest pushback or the greatest questions yeah, yeah. came around submission and headship. And and we still even use the word headship because that's just the dot. The, that's the, the word, language. That's yeah. the language that yeah. we have created around it, even though headship is not in the Bible. And so that's why divine dancing actually ended up uh, becoming a thing that yeah. needed to be addressed. Because even people who very much want to uh, become one in the home and, be, and have women elevated in every area of society, their greatest reservation biblically, is the idea of submission, the woman having to submit and the man being the head, is is that there has to be some element of over, of of, as she's under him. And that, even though that is not true, that is their interpretation of it. And so that is the biggest pushback against the message of equality and mutuality, which is what we actually preach. Right, right. Because you have so many that even those who are very for very much for equality. They would even consider themselves egalitarians. They're even for women being able to speak and they give as much liberty to women as possible, even to the point of having women as elders or pastors or whatever. Many of them still mm-hmm. feel pulled back by Ephesians 5 to say, well, yes, but my husband is still my head yes. and and here's what that means. And they mean that in a hierarchical sense. And so that is what we found out. We found out that in a lot of the discussion that swirled on social media, a lot of the kind of the pushback, some of it negative, some of it just curious, and some of it just uh, honest and confused. And 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 yes, but and what some about of it this? Being you're not taking the Bible you're seriously, not oh, seriously, which yeah. we so very much are. Yeah. Yes, we are. And so that then it was like, okay, this has got to be answered. And we we did several podcast episodes. You can go back and look through those. We did a bunch of podcast episodes on 
the question of Ephesians 5 and head and submission yes. and all that. But it really came to the point where it was like, this needs to be condensed, distilled into a book. And that's where divine dancing comes from. And in the meantime, I actually had a revelation that we didn't have in the first series. Yeah. And I think that that was probably also by divine revelation, by his timing, right? As the Lord often does. Yeah. Sometimes he doesn't give you the whole picture all at once. There's even Jesus told his disciples, you know, there's a lot. I'm not sharing with you because you're not ready. Right. And so as we began praying through and processing submission and headship, <clears throat> uh, I, I, w- I thought we had the whole picture. So I wasn't looking for more information. I wasn't necessarily looking for clarity on the matter. And I began reading uh, Philemon. Philemon is uh-huh. the correct pronunciation. Uh-huh. I learned it as Philemon, so, yeah. but Philemon is correct. And as I was reading Philemon, where Paul is writing to a slave owner, sending back uh, one of Paul's dear friends and helpers, Onesimus. Onesimus. Yeah. yeah. Ness. Onesimus. Onesimus. I'm trying to learn to do it it right, even though when you're self-taught, you just do it, you pronounce it the way it is in the Bible. Yeah, or even like me, raised up all my life hearing it pronounced a certain way, you know. Yes. Like for me, it was always pronounced Philemon. Right. And so that's the way I always say it. Right. And I still said Philemon too until like, I'm like, I have to say this word out loud. How do you actually say it? And it's Philemon. 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 And, um, and Philemon. Oh, Sounds yes. Jamaican. And Philemon. So oh, Philemon is a friend of Paul's yeah. who's an affluent person who's a slave owner. And one of his slaves <clears throat> apparently stole from him and ran away. Yeah, fled the scene. Fled the scene. And so we have no idea how long in between the runaway and the time Paul sends the slave Onesimus back to Philemon. But Paul had uh, connected with Onesimus. Onesimus helped serve him. They They were brothers in Christ. And he sends him back to his slave owner with Paul's admonition to... Philemon being, this is your decision. Yeah. I am not, as you called it, pulling the apostle card. Right. Right. Yeah. He's not saying, I'm over you because they didn't operate in that kind of a kingdom anyway. But he was saying to him, Onesimus is your brother in Christ. Yeah. You guys, in Christ, there is no slave or free, right? But in the world that they were living in at the time, that wasn't actually true in reality, right? right? It was their positional truth in Christ, but it wasn't their conditional truth, the way they were living it out. And so Paul sending him back to Philemon saying, I trust you to make the right decision. Yeah. And the right decision really would be to either set him free and send him back to me, yeah. right? Or treat him the way you would treat Christ, yeah. even as you're a slave. Yeah. And that was so countercultural yeah at the time yeah. and and so okay so i'm like okay that's that's interesting right like it was just really impressing upon me how different of um uh an approach that paul took to the world systems yeah he didn't he didn't preach it Philemon going, you're bad and you're evil for enslaving somebody. Like, and we all know like slavery is evil and bad. Like he so easily could have done that. He didn't. He just said like, you're in the world systems and you legally have a right to own this person Mm -hmm. who, and you know, in those days, like he could have like beat him and, and, you know, even branded him as a fugitive. And in Paul's even saying, and if he owes you anything, 
Yeah. Charge it to my account. Yeah. Like, I'll pay you. I promise I'll pay you. Even though you really owe me your life, he says. <laughs> so he's, 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 he's not pulling his apostle card, but he is pulling his is, friend card. Yeah, he's right? reminding him, you like, know. Yeah, yeah. You, you know about Jesus because of me. Right, so right, let's right. do remember that. You have eternal life thanks to me. <laughs> right. yeah, don't forget that. Right. That's so good. But then uh, that day that I was reading it, I'm just... It's impressing upon me. And sometimes when the Lord's moving on you, he just impresses things on right. you, right? So it's not necessarily logic always to start with. And for some, whatever reason, I'm starting to turn the, 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 the pages of my Bible backwards rather than forwards as I'm just reading along, but I'm turning this way. And I, I ended up in Titus, I believe, where I'm, I'm reading about slaves being subject to your masters in the same context as wives be subject to your husbands. And we had mentioned in the first series that God is no more interested in slaves being subject to your masters that, and, you know, and, and, and wives being subject to, to your husbands. It wasn't about subjugation. God mm-hmm. is never about human subjugation mm-hmm. at any level. And we said that. Yeah. But what we didn't really catch was that every single time it says, wives, be subject to your husbands. It's in that exact same context with either a few verses before or a few verses after that the Lord also says, or Paul, you know, the Lord through Paul says, slaves, be subject to your masters. It's actually the same context. Yeah. And that's what began to stir in us this whole idea of Paul was actually not telling women this is your household code forever, that you need to be under and subject to your husband. But the truth was, in that culture, women were domestic slaves. Yeah. Just as much as Onesimus belonged to Philemon, the wife belonged to her father. I mean, the wife belonged to her husband, and before she was married to her father or to an elder brother, she had no voice, no right. She couldn't earn wages. She couldn't own property. She couldn't even divorce, period, even if a man was abusing her. And so the point was, they were in the same condition. Yeah. Slaves and women ultimately were at the mercy of the power structures of the world. Yeah. And what Paul was telling them was this, even though in Christ you're free. Yeah. In, in Galatians 3.28, right? In Christ there is no Jew nor Gentile, no slave or free, nor male and female. And the idea of that is in Christ, you actually are free. And I believe in the historical record shows that in church, they were actually letting women preach and, you know, prophesy. And, you know, there's so many words, you know, Junia was an apostle, you know, Priscilla was yeah. a teacher. Like they, they actually operated in every office, which, you know, we're, we still try to want to interpret it through our hierarchical lenses. But they operated in every way that the men did, even though that was brand new and so countercultural, yeah. counter temporal. Yeah. <laughs> not the way the temple would have been operated, right. not the way the religious system would have operated, not even the way families operated or anything. It was very, very, very patriarchal. And so, but Paul is actually telling them, you are indeed free. Yeah. Now, in your freedom, we want you to submit. Yeah. Out of free choice. And why? Why would he tell them to do that? Well, my husband's life message is it's a get to, not a have to. Yeah. Right? It's, it's tattooed on his arm. Like it's, it is his life message because he understands that the, in a very profound way, right? The kingdom cannot be released by doing the right thing. Mm. 
It, you, you can you can give 10%. You could tithe down to a tenth of your spices if you want right. to. And that doesn't release the right kingdom, right? right? It has to flow from the heart because the kingdom operates in love, period. And love in order for there to be love, you have to have freedom. So in order for this new revolutionary kingdom that Paul is one of the forerunners of, in order to release this kingdom of freedom onto the earth, those who are currently bound had to play a key role. And you cannot force other people to give you freedom. Like, I'm going to force you to give me freedom. Like, you you can't make them not be free to make the choice not to. Right. Otherwise, you're empowering the wrong kingdom. Yeah. And so... The idea is is that Paul is actually telling them to to submit to the husband as to Christ himself, yeah. and the slave to submit to the master as if it's Christ himself. Yeah. And in doing so, you're not just doing what the law requires. You're not just going with them one mile. You're actually going with them too. You're going beyond the requirement to a higher level because that part you do out of free will. That part you release the kingdom. That part you release love. And he's not saying it because he wants slavery to stay or because he wanted the subjugation of women to stay. That was not divine order. What it was was it was actually subverting the power structures to begin with. And to me, that was something that we missed in in the first series Although we, we, we had a taste of it, yeah. right? We were not incorrect in what we said about it. It just wasn't complete. Yeah. And we developed a phrase to kind of tag what we were talking about. And we used the phrase in the book. It's the title of one of the, the first chapters. is accommodation without capitulation. And the point of that is that Paul is saying, since we do not want to step into the wrong kingdom, which means to advance justice, through violence. That's wrong kingdom. Mm -hmm. So since we don't want wrong kingdom, we don't want violence, we don't want to try to do this in a power-based system, then what we have to do is we have to accommodate to the world system without capitulating to it. So they Which would, means don't surrender, don't right. yield or you know, give in. That's right. So we I had will, to look the word up. <laughs> <laughs> so we will accommodate the system of the world mm-hmm. because we don't want to try to bring the new creation using the wrong kingdom through violence or force or manipulation. So we'll accommodate. But on the other hand, Paul says, but we're not going to capitulate to it. And the, the main way that they accomplished that is they, they accommodated the world system when living out in the world. But when the church gathered, they operated according to new creation. Mm -hmm. So they got to practice at church Bless you. They got to practice at church. Yeah. Right. How to how to act as free people. That's right. How to act power like a woman had never in her all in 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 her. There's no generation, not her grandmother, not her great grandmother, not her great great grandmother that operated in power unless they had taken it the wrong way. Yeah. Right. There was none that was freely operating with their voice. They didn't know how to read and write. Like there was illegal for them to learn the Torah. Like you know, so many of the rabbis back then they'd rather see the torah burn than right. have it be taught to right. a woman right and it was actually illegal and, and to even speak to a woman in public much less teach her torah and so yeah. sometimes our modern day christian movies of the past really don't know how to capture a, a true woman's condition uh, back yeah. then or a slave's condition even they were actually considered not of the same life form yeah and that's how people feel comfortable with uh, owning another person, using another person for their own benefit, 
or um, making your wife be your domestic slave. And the only way they could do that was by believing that they were less than. And so the women and the slaves were able to practice in in an environment where they were like you do for for Gregory and I. It's like you're running alongside us while we're learning how to ride a bike and you're holding on the wheel and you're holding on the back while we're learning to pedal and go, right? You're coming alongside us to lift us up, right? That's what Paul was doing with the the culture that he was creating for the women and the slaves. Yeah, and and mm-hmm. and, and not and practicing it, showing them what it was like, giving them a taste of the world to come, the age to come giving them a sense of what it was really meant to be, and then showing them how to release that into the world mm-hmm. without starting a slave revolt, which is ultimately what would have happened if the slaves had taken the gospel and said, well, yippee, you know, we're free, and then going out into the world and tried to live that in Rome, they would have, of course, caused a slave revolt, which Rome had many of those, and they were violent, they were deadly, they were horrific, Four slaves. It was the slaves, ultimately, that got crushed. So Paul is saying, and it's so embedded and embodied in the book of, of Philemon, as I will probably always say, it was Im- embedded in, in that we're accommodating to the system by sending Onesimus back. But at the same time, we are, we're needing the, the yeast, the leaven of the kingdom into the dough by treating that slave as your as your brother in Christ, treat them as Christ Himself, and that's how over time the kingdom gets released into the world. Mm-hmm. So that accommodation without capitulation is a powerful idea, and then understanding what we also talked about. We talked about textual proximity, which is basically that you have the slave text, and you mentioned this a moment ago. Mm-hmm. We have the slaves text. Always, even Peter does the same as well yes, as Paul. Yeah. And you have the, the treatment of women right there next to it. What's the point? The point is that over time, we're going to work out transformation into the world, not through violence, but through submission. And then we submit and submission becomes subversion. It literally overthrows the world systems by turning the other cheek. By becoming the leaven of the kingdom that's that right. leavens the whole lump. That's right. And that's why, you know, Paul would say, like, by your by your chaste behavior, yeah. like you can win some of them. Yeah. And the idea and Paul even Paul even said to the slaves, like, if you can be free, be free. Yes. Like he's not Take saying advantage of it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's not saying <laughs> it's better for you to be a slave. No. But in the reality is they didn't have a choice. Right. Right. And so the right. uh, uh, unless they wanted to go die in a revolt, but that still is trying to bring the kingdom of love through violence and force, which you can't do. And that's why the most successful movements on the earth that have uh, uh, pushed social justice ahead have usually come through a lot of time of needing that... um, the the truth into the culture into the thought processes the ideas being talked about and put in arts in all kinds of different ways and then often not always but often the last bastion will be a a push yeah yeah and so even even jesus with you know the the whole sacrificial system all that kind of stuff like he gave he gave them a whole generation before the temple was going to come down because he wasn't just gonna you have to do it my way right now or else like he gives them time everything in the kingdom takes time it takes time yeast takes time yeah to live in the whole and the big point and this is the thing that must absolutely be pounded like a nail over and over and over and over 
is that though Paul did accommodate slavery in the world, he would not have for one moment accommodated it within the church. And this is important when we're talking about Paul's teaching regarding women. So what ends up happening is our complementarian friends take the texts that were meant to accommodate the reality within Rome and then allow Rome to redefine the church. Mm. So now when Paul would say, of course, wives submit, husbands, and even says husbands submit, but slaves submit, he goes through this whole deal. Yes, in the world you have to live within this system because we're bringing change through very slow subversion. But in the church, Paul never, and that's why in 1 Corinthians 11, 13, 14, through those chapters, he is just pulling his hair out saying, no, this is not okay at church. So while he would have recognized that a woman in a Roman court could not even be a witness or testify without a male sponsor, and Paul would have said, well, okay, go along with that for the time being. But he wouldn't have tolerated that for a moment at church. He wouldn't allow you to bring that worldly mindset. So this is the irony of the whole crazy argument, is that we have actually, in order to stand for truth and say the church must be led by men, women can't preach, we're actually imitating Rome. We're actually worldly. So the church has become worldly in its suppression of women. Paul would have never tolerated that and did not tolerate it in the first century church. And the problem is, is that when you've been taught something one way so long, it's very hard to unsee it. That's right. So we'll proof text or, or pull out scriptures that say, wives be subject to your husbands. Wives actually says submit. Yeah. Subjugation is not actually no, that's the a word. No, that's a bad translation. It's a bad translation, yeah. which we'll, we'll talk about that shortly when we get into redefining submission. Yeah. And he never says wives obey. No, he actually doesn't. And and he there says again, children like, obey, but he doesn't say wives that's obey. That's another bad translation. He doesn't say yeah. husbands have authority over yeah. your wives. The only time it uses authority Make is Make sure you keep mutual. that woman under submission. Well, that. that was actually like how they thought in that day. That's right. Of course it was. Yeah, and so we can talk about that some more when we get to the whole idea of head. Because when you have a false filter, which we do talk a lot about in the original series, Unleashing the Kingdom. When you have a false filter, it's very hard to see things, that, to see what's true in black and white. Yeah. You have to have the actual, the the filter of the truth that says God's heart is not the subjugation of any human being. That's right. We are all one in Christ. That's right. It is absolutely the foundation of the gospel of the kingdom. And anything that would make you feel like you're superior over to an, over someone else yeah. is the wrong kingdom. It's and the wrong any kingdom. theology that makes you feel like you are secondary to someone else yeah. is the wrong kingdom, period. It's just not the heart of God. It's, it's not his design. Absolutely. And it's not his word. And get the book, Divine Dancing. Uh, we're going to take the next few episodes to talk some more about it. Pick up the book so you can follow along with us and uh, dive into this accommodation without capitulation idea and how the kingdom comes in the world through love, not power. That's the bottom line of everything we're talking about. I think you're really going to enjoy it as we jump in a little bit deeper. The book goes into incredible detail, and it's really fun to read. It is fun to read. I have a great writer. Yeah. Our next, our next episode, we come back, we're going to talk about submission. We'll dig into that just a little bit deeper. What a beautiful word. Yeah. Go by kingdombrewing.com. Check out the resources. Share these episodes with your friends. Tell people about unleashing the kingdom. Let's get the word out because the kingdom is coming in the world through you and me. We'll see you next time.